0: We'll be in Hebrews 11 tonight. We're going through this chapter as we head into our 41st anniversary celebration. We are considering this chapter on faith because our theme this year is believed to see, which is another way of saying we need to have faith. As a reminder, our theme verse is Psalm twenty-seven thirteen, which says, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. David admits that he would have fainted if he did not have faith in God to see his goodness again. And in a year like 2020, I think we can identify with David's position, though I'm sure his was far worse. We can understand the thinking. It would be easy to faint, but... If we see the goodness of the Lord, the land of the living, then we can keep pressing on for our Lord because He is all, all we need. And for certain, this year did not go as I had hoped. How about you? I mean, I had toilet paper shipped up from Tennessee. You know what I'm saying? I mean, when I entered the new year, that was not one of my goals. Thanks, Mom and Dad. Yeah, so it's been a crazy year. But I'm still believing to see God's goodness as we head into 2021. And listen, this is not to suggest that God has somehow not been good to us this year. He has been good. But I want to see God do greater things than we saw in 2019. That was a great year. I want my kids to see how real God is. And I believe we will in time. I'm still believing that. And remember from last week, we considered verse 6 of Hebrews 11 that an active faith causes God to act. An active faith causes God to act. He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. And we need to have that kind of faith. And then we'll come through the trials of this year stronger than we entered in. And God will reward our faithfulness. Yeah, we've lost some. But we've gained some. And we must always remember that this is Christ's church. He's the one that bled for it. He's the one that owns it. And He can do with us as He sees fit. All we need to do is stay faithful. And let God burn the dross away to purify us. God is always at work. And He has used this year to test our faithfulness. And I don't know how God feels about it. But there's a part of me that believes we've come through it very well. And it is such a privilege to pastor such faithful people. And I mean that. And I believe this year has been used by God to strengthen His local churches. It's been a hundred years since the world has been impacted this way. Not since the last pandemic, but since the last one caused this much disruption, that was the Spanish flu. And I think we needed to be reminded just how good we have it here in America and how much more we should be doing in these last days in which we live. And listen, the days of comfortable Christianity in our nation are coming to a close. And I don't want to come through all of this weary and ready to faint, but I want to come through this energized to keep doing more for the Lord, to keep seeing, desiring to see His goodness, to keep reaching souls for Christ, because the Lord is coming again. Well, let's go to Hebrews 11. So far we've seen how Abel worshipped by faith how Enoch walked by faith. And tonight we'll see how Noah worked by faith. If you would, look with me please in verse 7. By faith Noah, being warned of God of things not seen as yet, moved with fear, prepared an ark to the saving of his house, by the which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is by faith. And so these examples of... Those in our chapter who who lived by faith, they all begin with the phrase, by faith. We see that at the beginning of verse 7, they all had to act by faith. They believed something which they could not see with their natural eyes. And we see here that Noah was warned of God, of things not seen as yet. Noah was told by God the coming flood would destroy all who were outside of the ark. Years ahead of time. Genesis 6.13, it says, And God said unto Noah, The end of all flesh has come before me, and the earth is filled with violence through them. and Behold, I will destroy them with the earth. I want to give you just a couple side notes here. One is, some say it took Noah 120 years to build the ark. But the Bible never dogmatically states how long it took. Many assume it was 120 years because of Genesis 6 3, where it says, And the Lord said, My spirit shall not always strive with man, for that he also is flesh, yet his days shall be 120 years. Meaning there was 120 years until his judgment would fall. But it does not mean this is when God told Noah to build the ark. In fact, as far as the Bible reads through Genesis 6, that flow of the context there, that wasn't even said to Noah. For sure, God was fed up with mankind's wickedness 120 years ahead of time. But it may not be when God told Noah to build the ark. Look, this is stuff I stumble across, and we have to cover it, okay? It it has nothing to do with anything tonight. (laughs) There's an interesting study posted on AnswersInGenesis.org that I stumbled across where they break it down and suggest that it probably only took 55 to 75 years to build the ark. Interesting study. I don't really care how long it took. I just thought I would share that with you. Because whatever the case, it doesn't affect what we're talking about. So you can research it on your own time, amen? That's why I'm here, to tell you absolutely nothing. One more side note. There's a debate on whether or not did it ever rain before God flooded the earth. Some are dogmatic that it never did. They use Hebrews 11.7 to justify that position because Noah was warned of things not seen as yet. And so some believe that what was not seen of yet was rain. But this too is something the Bible never says. I think one could make the argument either way, but we shouldn't draw lines in the sand over assumptions. I think that's what interests me in these two side notes because people get so wrapped up over things the Bible never even really says. So it doesn't say either way, and we have false doctrines because of our out-of-control assumptions. We should desire to be honest with the Word of God. For what it's worth, not much. My personal opinion is, is that it never rained before the fall of mankind but that it did afterwards. I won't bore you with why I feel that way. Aren't you glad? All right, enough side notes. So back to our text here. Noah was warned of God, of things not seen as yet. There was no observable meteorological conditions which would indicate a flood of this magnitude was on the way. But he believed God's word. He believed what God warned. There was nothing to indicate. It was not seen as yet. There was nothing that would have indicated that. And as this chapter highlights in Hebrews 11, this belief in God's warning is what caused Noah to act. And that's what we spent all last week talking about. It's an act of faith. And after he received the warning, we see that he moved with fear. And he prepared an ark. Noah's faith caused action. There is no such thing as a dead faith. Noah moved with fear. Now, this is a very interesting Greek word here. And you had to be here for Sunday school to get what I'm about to say. But brother DeGarmo, given your lesson this morning, I was led to let you know that this phrase is the first aorist passive indicative. Does that help? I got so tickled at that that morning. Now, I have no idea what that means. But when you use that kind of language this morning, you sounded really smart. And I thought, I can sound really smart. Yeah. Now, there's a difference between sounding smart and being smart. All right have no idea what I just said there, but some of you might. This Greek word for fear, it's different from many other occurrences of the English word fear. For example, it's not the same kind of fear which the Lord uses when he says in Matthew ten twenty eight, and fear not them which kill the body, but are not able to kill the soul, but rather fear him which is able to destroy both soul and body in hell. Now, Fear there, it means to be frightened, to be alarmed, the kind of fear that we often use the word with. But in our text, this fear, it means to be circumspect. It's to act with caution, it's to understand a danger and then act on it. There's only one other time that this Greek word is used in our Bible. And I think it helps us to understand what it means here by Noah moving with fear. And that's in Acts 23.10. You'll recall I referenced this recently in one of my sermons where Paul had pitted the Pharisees against the Sadducees while he's on trial. And they start to fight, if you remember that. And the Bible says in Acts 23.10... When there arose a great dissension, the chief captain fearing lest Paul should have been pulled in pieces of them. And that word for fearing is the same as the Greek word here for moved with fear. So it's only used twice. It's very unique. But the chief captain there, he perceived, and this is important for the groundwork of where I'm going. The chief captain perceived the danger and then he acted with caution, fearing what the mob would do to Paul. So he was fearing, but he wasn't fearing for his own life. You catch that? But he was afraid of Paul's life and what was going to happen to Paul. And likewise, Noah, he wasn't in fear for his own life, but he was afraid for the lives of others. And therefore, when Noah moved with fear, he acted circumspectly with what God was about to do. And he was affected by the terrible judgment that was about to come. And he was influenced by the coming flood and this caused a deep reverence and a fear for God and a fear of what was going to happen to others. Noah cared for the welfare of others. And Noah was acting under the belief that what God had said was true and he believed the destruction which God had said would come would would in fact happen upon this wicked world and he moved with fear. And listen, it affected his behavior. And this fear over God's warning, it led to Noah's obedience. He moved with fear. His faith was being put into action. Noah, what did he do as a result? He prepared an ark. In Genesis 6, 14 through 17, it says, Make thee an ark of gopher wood. Room shalt thou make in the ark, and shalt pitch it within and without with pitch. And this is the fashion which thou shalt make Make it of, the length of the ark shall be 300 cubits, the breadth of it 50 cubits, and the height of it 30 cubits. A window shalt thou make to the ark, and in a cubit shalt thou finish it above, and the door of the ark shalt thou set, and the side thereof, with lower, second, and third stories shalt thou make it. Behold, I, even I, do bring a flood of waters upon the earth to destroy all flesh, wherein is the breath of life from under heaven, and everything that is in the earth shall die. And then in verse 22 it says, Thus did Noah. According to all that God commanded him, so did he. Having been warned of God, of things not yet seen, and having moved with fear, Noah prepared for the judgment to come by preparing an ark. And we see he prepared the ark to the saving of his house. And you can bet the coming judgment was a motivating factor for him to prepare the ark because... The time of the flood was about to break forth. At that time, there were seven other members of his family. His wife, his three sons, and their wives. And he obviously would have cared about them being in the ark when God's wrath was being poured out. He would want them spared. And your family, it should be your first priority. When you're trying to reach the lost, you should earnestly labor. For your spouse to be saved. You should labor for your children to be saved. And I know our works can't save them. But we can sure prepare them to meet God. The best we know how. Amen. Amen. That is priority one. I don't think any parent in here tonight. Who has brought a child in this world. Has not gone on their knees before God and said oh God. Save my kids. Don't let me bring a child in this world that will slip off into hell. We need to prepare them for the day when God comes along and He says, it's time to get in the ark. Now, we're not going to talk about how the ark pictures Christ tonight, but that's ultimately what the symbolism is. Noah must have cared for more than just his family as well. Because 2 Peter two five tells us that Noah was a preacher of righteousness. He heralded the message of righteousness. Do you hear what I'm saying tonight? Noah knew the ungodly world as he knew it was going to be no more. It wasn't going to be spared. And this fear for what God was going to do to mankind caused him to be a preacher of the way of righteousness. And not only was he preaching verbally, but he was preaching by preparing the ark. His outward actions demonstrated his inward faith. We can imagine how those who saw and heard Noah building this this ark, they saw him building and they heard him preaching and no doubt they would have pointed fingers at him and laughed at his message. We could imagine they would have called him crazy, that somehow he would believe in this absurd prophecy. We can imagine there would even be those who would have scorned and reproached him. And through his preparing of the ark, we see in our text that Noah condemned the world as he foretold of the coming judgment by building this ark, and as he preached of righteousness, his life of faith was a rebuke to all. And it proved the world's unbelief in God. Matthew Henry wrote, The man who gives heed to God by his conduct condemns those who refuse to heed Him. And because of Noah's faith, we see at the end of Hebrews 11.7 that he became heir Of the righteousness which is by faith. Or we would say Noah was justified by faith. Now let's apply all this to us tonight. We too have our warning from God of things not seen as yet. There is a coming judgment by God against all the wicked. This world and all who have rejected Christ will be destroyed. But the coming judgment won't be with a flood this time. It'll be with fire. It'll first be the fire of Christ. 2 Thessalonians 1, 7 and 8 says, And to you who are troubled, rest with us, when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with His mighty angels, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Revelation 19, 11 and 12 says, And I saw heaven opened, and behold a white horse. And he that sat upon him was called Faithful and True. And in righteousness he doth judge and make war. And his eyes were as a flame of fire. And on his head were many crowns. And he had a name written that no man knew but he himself. And then Peter teaches us that this world will be burned up. Second Peter 3, 6 and 7 says, whereby the world that then was, being overflowed with water, that, that pre-flood world, it perished. But the heavens and the earth, which are now by the same word are kept in store, reserved unto fire against the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. Verses 10 through 12 there in Second Peter 3 say, But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, the elements shall melt with fervent heat, the earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up, seeing then that all these things shall be dissolved. What manner of persons ought she ought to be? in all holy conversation and godliness, looking for and hasting unto the coming day of God, wherein the heavens, being on fire, shall be dissolved, and the elements shall meet with fer- uh, melt with fervent heat. Listen, the Lord's coming again. We've been warned of God of things not seen as yet. The day of the Lord is on the way. And all of this we've been warned about in God's Word, it's foolishness to the world. But knowing the coming day of judgment, it ought to cause us to be moved with fear. Listen, not fear for our own lives, but fear for what God is going to do. We need to be moved with fear for what is coming upon the lost who die without Christ. These future events should influence our actions. They should influence our behaviors. We should be moved with fear over what is coming upon the lost one day. We need to care about the welfare of others. and We must by faith believe God's warning of those things that are not seen yet. And then let our concern for others motivate us to preach the gospel to the lost world. Well, they may not hear it, well, they didn't hear it in Noah's day either. And that's why I could care less about numbers when all is said and done. Amen. Noah was a perfect and an upright man. And yet, preaching all those years and preparing the ark, nobody else got in. But are you going to tell me he wasn't right with God because he didn't have his numbers published in the sword of the Lord? Amen. 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 Now we are in charge to prepare an ark because Jesus is the only ark we'll ever need. But we are to be prepared to do all we can to reach others. Especially those of our own house. Bring them into the ark, Lord willing, before God shuts the door. We must prepare others to meet God. And as we obey all that we are commanded to do, and as we preach... The righteousness of Christ. Our outward actions are to demonstrate our inward faith. And we know the world is laughing at our message. And some in here may be doing that. We know they think we're crazy. We're believing in one we've never seen. We know they will think the prophecies of Christ's return are absurd being things not seen as, as yet and we know there will even be some scorning and some reproaches we deal with along the way second peter 3 3 and 4 says knowing this first that there shall come in the last days scoffers walking after their own lust what are they scoffing about And saying, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of the creation. Didn't Jesus say, when I come, it will be as it was in the days of Noah. People marrying, giving in marriage, life will be going on. And they'll be saying, where is the promise of His coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, nothing's changed. You wackos have been preaching that this Lord is coming now for 2,000 years and he's not here yet. But through our preaching, just like through the preaching of Noah, it will condemn the unbelieving world. Meaning this it'll prove that God's judgments are just, it'll be a testimony against them. And we do not say that with a prideful attitude but it breaks our heart that people refuse God's Christ. And listen, church, we need to be a people who are working by faith with an eye towards that great and notable day of our Lord. When God's wrath will be poured out against ungodliness, we must have a concern for the lost while there is still time. We must preach to them, do all we can to show them that Christ is the only way, that He is the ark. We can't force them in, but we can do all we can to show them Christ's salvation and His coming judgment to those who will reject Him. say, well, that's not a popular message today. Do you think Noah's message of righteousness was popular in a day when every man was doing evil continually? And yet he was faithful. Now I want to ask you as I close, what leads a person to live by faith? What causes a person by faith to receive a warning from God, move with fear and prepare and work? Well, What's the one phrase we always remember about Noah? In Genesis 6, 8, it says, but Noah found grace in the eyes of the Lord. You see, those who have, have experienced God's grace, they are the ones who will understand Hebrews eleven seven 7, and the life and the work of Noah we who have experienced God's grace understand more and more the closer we grow to Him, just how undeserving we are of Him. Do you hear what I'm saying? Those of us who say we're in Christ, we say we've been made partakers and we say that we've experienced the grace of God, We're the ones who should look at a verse like this and say, My God, help me to reach the lost. We see how undeserving we are. And then we see, on the other hand, just how deserving we are of His judgment and His wrath. You see, the kind of fear that moves our faith into action to care for what is about to come upon the lost only comes as a result of knowing God's grace. Fear is a result of grace. Isn't that what John Newton expressed when he penned the second verse of Amazing Grace in 1772? It was grace that taught my heart to fear. It is grace which teaches us to fear. And The longer I live in Christ... The more I realize I have no business even being up here tonight. God has every right to send me to a devil's hell had it not been for the blood of Christ. And we act as if we believe these things as truth and yet we can let a neighbor go by and not share the gospel with them. Do we really believe this warning? If we did, we'd be moving with fear. And we would be acting cautiously as that chief captain did and we would be going to them and we'd be so concerned for them that we'd be trying to drag them away from that mob fearing what's going to happen to them. It is faith which causes us to work as if those things not seen as yet will assuredly come to pass. Are you working by faith tonight? Are you concerned for the souls of the lost? Are you? When's the last time you witnessed to somebody? When's the last time you gave somebody the gospel tract? Are you being moved with fear? Are you preparing others to board the ark? Are you working to see people come to Christ? So little time. The harvest will be over. Our reaping done, we reapers taken home. We must be about our Father's business. We must work for the night is coming. God has been building this in me throughout this year. We have got to do more. We're not just to come in here and hear preaching. And singing and fellowship. In John 9, 4, Jesus said, I must work the works of him that sent me. While it is day, the night cometh when no man can work. Will you pray with me, please?